0: Today on CityCast Chicago, there are an estimated 4,000 undocumented seniors living in Illinois. That number could jump 1,300% over the next decade. That's more than 50,000 people over the age of 65 who won't have access to sufficient health care and affordable housing, all because of their immigration status. We talked to the reporters of a new series, Aging in the Shadows. It's Wednesday, March 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is... It's CityCast Chicago. Help me if I'm saying these wrong, but uh, Gregorio Pilado, uh, Martina Alonzo, and Rocio
1: Must I probably messed that up.
0: Am I saying that decent? Yeah.
1: No, yeah. The, the double L is a Y. That's the easiest trick. Yeah. I, I said
0: it right once, at least, because I know that I said that different both times. oh. Uh-huh. In their first story for the series, Injustice Watches, Carlos Ballesteros and the Tribune's Lauda Rodriguez-Presa spoke with an undocumented family living in the back of the yards. Gregorio Pillado is 79 and lives with his wife, Martina Alonso, who is 69. Their grown daughter, Rocio Pillado, also lives in the neighborhood. Now, Gregorio works at a local meatpacking facility, uh, but has battled through injuries over the years, including an ongoing hernia that he's afraid he might not be able to get checked out. Uh, Martinez, so Nopale's in the neighborhood for a long time, but a current wrist injury is keeping her from being able to sell, meaning the family's working off of Gregorio's loan income. Uh, Rocio lives in the neighborhood, but really struggles to provide her parents with the resources and the care they need while also building and maintaining her own life.
1: They came in the year 2000, which is kind of like at the height of this massive migration wave from Mexico to Chicago, they came, uh, they entered without permission, um, they stayed without permission and um, are now kind of st- are, are now stuck here in the sense that they, their, their son who is left in Mexico, unfortunately died. Yeah,
0: He passed and, away.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so their immediate family is here. Um, they want to stay here. Um but staying here entails um having to pay rent and having to make money and having to somehow find a way to survive in their older years uh without the help of these sort of federal programs that were created to prevent old people like them from falling into extreme poverty.
0: Laura can you tell talk about how the the challenge the specific challenges that not only undocumented seniors but uh, th- more times than not, they live in multi-generational households. Like, wh- what are the challenges these families face?
2: Right. So so this is, uh, and I, I mean, I hear these stories all the time and, and we realize these are our neighbors. These are real people that live heartbroken almost, right? Like they, the challenges they go through emotionally are extreme. They are invisible, inv- invisible here and invisible in Mexico, right? So it's extremely difficult for them to build any sort of like generational wealth, right? So we're talking about a cycle of poverty. Um, and this is also something that's very culturally, you know, um, kind of like Latinos are very, are always, and not only Latinos, any people, they they want to care for their elders, right? Because that's what we're used to. We're not used to just leaving them in like a nursing home or something like that. It, it's, it's like Mar- Rocio is so grateful for her parents to bring her over here, yet, now she's like struggling to help them out, but, but they're trying to stay resilient and still work so that they don't give, they, they don't put the burden on her. And I think that emotional struggle by far more than the financial struggle, it's something that, that a lot of undocumented families just go through and face. And it's rarely really talked about it or like put into perspective as to how much that affects the family overall. Right.
0: So Chicago is a sanctuary city, but people have watched as families have gotten snatched up across streets and and deported. Uh, Is it scary for these families you've interviewed to tell their stories because ultimately the same could happen to them, as the title says, aging in the shadows?
2: I think that the fact that they're willing to do this and um, share their story just really, really shows and tells the world the situation and the urgency and the desperation that they're in. I see my grandparents and all these people, you know, and to see Gregorio having to wake up at two in the morning to go to work at a meat packing company where he can hardly pick up something. And they're literally just waiting for the moment that he's told he can no longer go back. I mean, I feel it in my core. Right. Because like, what is this family going to do after this is this happens? Right. Rocio can't possibly care for both of them and pay rent and all of their needs and everything, right? So I think that one of the main goals um, of writing this, uh, it's really to raise this awareness. And I've been so pleasantly surprised by the amount of emails that I've gotten from people, um, you know, asking us to connect with them because most of the times when you write about this issue the word it's like illegal immigration is what they see right like that is the main thing and they sometimes avoid really thinking about this and we're talking about people who lived in in the country for decades you know like and 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 we have to think about this like the issue with the immigration system so they're allowed to work they're allowed to pay taxes Right. So they just turn a blind eye on them. But the government is aware that they're they're aware that they're there.
1: I think the narrative. I think you're right. I think you're right on the money when you talk about how immigration does get pulled into the, these kind of like either perfect victims or perfect villains. Um, mm. the, the One of the things that became very clear to me as I was writing these stories is that, like, say, for example, this family, the Biello family, like, they were in Mexico and they wanted to migrate to the United States. They they already had a daughter here in Chicago. They wanted to come. There is literally no legal pathway to, for them to do so. The way the system works right now is, unless you have someone who sponsors your green card from the United States, um, then then you're put in one line where you're waiting for years, like, maybe decades, to for that to happen. That might be easy for someone who's born in this country to be like, well, then don't come, but... The struggles that people face in Mexico and other parts of the world in which they see the wealth that they can accumulate uh, by working in the United States and the kind of the prosperity, the small sliver of prosperity they can give to their families if they decide to come. I mean, those are the kind of choices that none of us in this country have to make, but millions of people around the world do. Are we going to let these folks essentially uh, wither away without any kind of social safety net from from the state? Or um, do we do something about it?
0: Without access to social services, you know, federal programs, what kind of organizations or resources are available to these families in, in you know, places like Chicago?
2: Yeah. So there are actually um, um, very few that can provide, for example, direct like housing um, aid or, or or monetary aid. Um, and I think a lot of them just started actually kind of like um. Organizing through the pandemic, when when people realized that these people were dying because of the situations that they were living in, this help comes from just non for profit orgs and charity work that they just gather and kind of create these spaces. But there's nothing, from what I know, and Carlos, you can you know tell me if I'm wrong, but it's always something that is created at the moment when we see something that's happening that's urgent that we need to then. Kind of like make this sort of uh, accommodations or create some, you know, find like a loophole to see where they can fit in, so that we can help them. The Medicaid program provides uh, uh, healthcare coverage, prevention, you know, prevention coverage, but not, but it doesn't cover a lot of other services that may be essential for the well-being of older immigrants. So, that we're talking about like you know, just people that have chronic diseases or things like that.
1: Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights, ICER, They're pretty um, great at connecting people to different types of resources, um, and um, there are community groups, like Laura said, who who will also help in that front. But it is kind of families and communities have to are forced essentially to weave a patchwork of resources to kind of make up for where the state has left them off, and their seniors. Um, and so the second story in our series does focus on this new healthcare program that uh, got started at the end of 2020. And so the program essentially, um, if you qualify, if you meet the income requirements, which are pretty low, you have to be pretty broke to meet the income requirements. But if you, you and your family do meet the income requirements, then the state does cover, um, kind of a lot of the healthcare services that That a senior would need. And Illinois was the first state to do this, Uh, and and since and since then, a couple other states have joined and actually surpassed Illinois in its coverage. Um, So there is movement on this front, and I think a lot of it is because uh, lawmakers do understand that this problem is not going to go away. And unfortunately, given the situation in Congress at the federal level, there isn't a lot of hope that a solution will come from the feds anytime soon either.
0: You know, these are immediate problems that are only getting worse over the next decade. and But unfortunately with this conversation, what would really help is building stronger systems to prevent people falling into this, to to allow people a better pathway to citizenship, to make sure people have access to sponsored and funded social programs for, for healthcare and housing. And so it feels like what these stories are you know, making us aware to is that since that is not coming, we need to funnel as many resources as possible because it feels like for, for thousands of people, the, the edge of a cliff is uh right around the corner.
1: Yeah. I think, yes, living on the edge is essentially how these families, I think, think of it and describe it.
2: We're at this point where there's only 4,000 according to studies. Right. But, and and maybe they're able to sort of like the community's able to help each other and do the work and whatnot. But, um, you know, eventually there's just going to be so many that it's just going to be impossible for the community or community organizations and their families to keep up with everything. And so hopefully that's what this does. Right. And that people start realizing, you know, again, that these are our neighbors and, and they won't go anywhere. And that's the thing. Right. Like it's it, they're not going to go back especially at an older age going back to their countries as they like to say is just something that may be very unreal
0: laura rodriguez presa is a reporter with chicago tribune and carlos ballesteros is a reporter with injustice watch their series aging in the shadows is available now thank y'all so much for dropping by city cash chicago
2: thank you for having us thank
1: you
0: before i let you go a little bit of news y'all While Mayor Lightfoot will not be announcing a new 11th Ward Alder at today's city council meeting, the city has three finalists for a new casino, the River 78 in the South Loop, Hard Rock near Soldier Field, and Bally's at the Tribune Publishing Building near River West. The Lala lineup was announced with Dua Lipa, Jermaine, Cole, Green Day, and Metallica headlining at Grant Park this summer. Festival organizers said they plan on being at full capacity with over 170 different performances. Reminder, the city's Public Safety Town Hall is tonight at Chicago State University at 6 p.m. We'll be there and have more on those town halls on Monday. And some good news to get you through. The Chosen Few Picnic and House Music Festival says it'll return to Jackson Park July 2nd, 2022, after two years due to the pandemic. Every day I tell you about the newsletter. Now we want to hear from you. Head over to chicago.citycast.fm to take our audience survey about the newsletter. And when you do, you could be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. As always, I appreciate you for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Uh, listeners. Oh, yeah, I didn't write this out. Listeners to the audience survey. I just copied the Slack message. Uh, we got an audience survey call right now. <laughs>